Because even like Kevin's dad was there for the audition. They're all just like watching kids wrestle and audition. And it it, like they're the pain. It's not auditions. It's tryouts. (laughs) They're they're not theater kids like we are. (laughs) I straight up called it an audition. Pals and gals, and welcome to another episode of XOXO Riverdale. I am your host, Louis Perlman, fresh off of wrestling team tryouts. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm here with special guest host, uh, comedian extraordinaire Glow Tavares. Glow, welcome to the show, your second time on XOXO Riverdale. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely my pleasure. You are always a, a total delight. So just for all of our uh, listeners to know, if you're New York City-based, you can check out Glow uh, at Mod Night at the UCB Theater. And Glow, you've got a, a show called 50 Cinquenta. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, 50 Cinquenta is the first Wednesday of every month at 1030 at UCB East. It's an improv show. It's half in Spanish, half in English. It's it's like it's like Spanglish show. And it's it's very fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So if you're an either an English speaker or a Spanish speaker or neither, I think it's a good show to check out, right? Yeah, it's so fun. It, it, I mean, if you don't speak Spanish, we are very uh, physical and loud, and so you'd get it. So don't let that stop you. And also, if you want to learn more Spanish, come watch us. Yeah, what a great way to um, get more acquainted with the language, especially if you're trying to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Because we repeat everything in English if we notice the audience <laughs> get it. <laughs> we'll be like, I can't dig. It's real silly. That sounds fucking awesome. Uh, and also, too, like, it's interesting because this is a, a little bit of a dovetail from what we normally talk about on the podcast, but I come from a comedy background. Glow clearly is a is an active working comedian. And the scene really only over the last five years or so has gotten much more diverse in the scope of the shows that, that we see happening. And, and for me, uh, as a little Jewish uh, queer Canadian boy, it's like a real relief as opposed to just like white dude after white dude, like standing around talking on stage, oh boy. which is a little more pain felt when I moved to New York 15 years ago and started doing improv. So, yeah, I mean, cause I, yeah, I started doing it like six years ago in fact, like on mm-hmm. It's going to be six years, and it for sure has been more diverse and like more accepting of diversity and in a cool way. But we still got a lot to do. But it's oh, it's- definitely, yeah. It's not like everything's been fixed in that regard, and awesome. it segues well into what we normally talk about because it seems like issues of whitewashing and diversity have not been erased from the history of Riverdale in maybe oh, the way God. that they should. They've not been dealt with. And that's what this episode is all about, this semi-woke episode of Riverdale. (laughs) (laughs) Semi-woke. Yes, semi-woke. Better than not woke. Not as good as actually woke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, it's insane. 
There's so much. Because, the, like, the whole Jughead thing of, like, this isn't my story. Like, yeah, that is something valid that should not happen. But I also feel like they did not dive deep in what that means of spreading. Like, they didn't explain why it wasn't his story. They were just like, it's on my story. I'm sorry. And then that's it. And it's like, no, no, let's talk about it. Let's talk about how this happens all the fucking time. You know? So whatever. But, but, like, if you know, like, if you know that sometimes people tell people color stories, then you could yeah. relate to it. But if you don't know, if you're like a fucking little teen watching this and you don't really understand what it is, then you're like, I don't get what just happened because they did not explain it <laughs> at all. But this is this is typical social issue Riverdale because I, I really feel like the people creating the show are well-meaning. I don't think that this is exploitive, just like we're just talking about this for the sake of talking about it. But they are also cramming in five other literal character plot lines in each show. So each character doesn't get enough. And this has happened before on the show. Like this is like symptomatic of, of the show. Like this reminds me a lot of like the sexual harassment book stuff from the first season, the syrup, the sticky maple book. Oh yeah. That was also never really explained. (laughs) No, it was like, Oh my God. Ethel Muggs was hurt. Here's some, some recourse for Ethel. And then it's like fucking on to the next goddamn thing. You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, slut shaming is bad, but we won't explain why. Yeah. And like, not only that, but like, whenever I uh, see that Chuck Clayton character and he surfaces again in this episode, I always really recoil because I'm like, there hasn't been enough to address the reforming of Chuck. Like he's been like minorly reformed. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? You know, and with Jughead, yeah, he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I just move on from it. (laughs) And then he tries to do it again and he stop it. So our dear, dear absent co-host Kate Vatter normally at this point does a little social media recap. Um, I didn't notice anything crazy going on social media this week, but there is some like really fun Riverdale news that is, uh, that I'm sure if you're a fan and you're listening to the podcast, you've already heard about, but it's definitely something for us to touch on. And it's that they've confirmed that they're doing a musical episode of the show. Insane. They're going to be doing Carrie musical and they cast all the Riverdale guys as characters from Carrie. It's insane. That's insane. Is it this season that it's going to happen or is it next season? Apparently it's this season. They're shooting it now. So it's going to be out in the later half of the season, which is super fun because they haven't wrapped their shooting yet for the season. So that's all really good. Uh, I'm excited for it. Now, something to mention, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, who is the showrunner of Riverdale, the executive producer, he was one of the main screenwriters on that Carrie remake from about six years ago oh my that God. happened. Yeah, yeah. And, and and this is just something to know about him. His background is that he has a background in, like, really loving and worshipping Stephen King. So it totally makes sense that they'd be doing this on the show. Like, this is not surprising. And also, I think to their credit, something to mention here, too, is that the show is going to unabashedly have a reason for the characters to sing and dance as opposed to like always shoehorning in the Josie and the Pussycats and Archie musical stuff that very often doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's going to be interesting how they justify the musical. And I wonder if like the school is going to do a musical or if they're just going to break form and do a musical episode. Um, I think it's that the school is doing a musical because Kevin Keller is directing the musical. 
Nice. Oh, God, I love Kevin. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's crazy. I, I also, it's like they're going to have Archie be the star of it, probably. And it's like, can Archie just yeah. be bad at something? Like, he does not need to be perfect at everything. So I'm already going to be frustrated about that. I know that's what's going to happen. And he's going to be like, dude. Yeah, the co-stars are, are, are the, the, the co-stars are Archie and Cheryl. Interesting. Also, I don't know anything about Carrie or Carrie the Musical, but it's very funny that he broke the remake and then he's shoehorning it into the show. He's, he's like executive producing. He's like, oh, I don't know. I've done Carrie. So wow, let's do Carrie again, which is like insane that he's like, yeah, we're going to do Carrie because that's something that I've done in the past. Yeah. Well, Roberto has gone Carrie crazy. Calm down, Roberto, when it comes to Carrie. <laughs> he is so extra. It just, it, you can tell that there's a lot of like horror influences for this show, but it just isn't scary at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny that you say that because I have found the show somewhat effectively scary in the past, especially for like a show that is for teenagers that's on the CW, that there have been some good jump scares and some good, really interesting setting of tone for a show like that. I but, think, you know, yeah. if you don't find it scary, I certainly respect that. I mean, I hate horror. So maybe I just, for me, this is more about teen drama or whatever, mm-hmm. but... The only episode I can think of that was, like, legitimately scary was the the weird one where they did, like, Archie and Jughead and they did Cheryl and uh, the one where they go to... Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah, Tales from the Dark Side. Exactly. That one. That one was scary. And I didn't like it. I was like, oh. Well, maybe you're just a stronger woman than I, Glow, you know? (laughs) Uh, That would... Yeah, maybe. Or maybe I just roll my eyes because I see what they're trying to do. (laughs) I love Riverdale with all my heart and soul, but a lot of me is like, oh, I see what you're trying to do. Ugh. <laughs> wait, wait, what do you mean? What am I trying to do? Oh, what they are trying to do with it. Like, for example, when they were, when they like, when they revealed the agent or whatever, the secret agent, I was like, no, don't yeah. tell me they're going to try. Like before they even said the whole plot, I was like, don't tell me they're going to make him go undercover. And then what did they do? <laughs> they made him go undercover. And it's so stupid. It's the dumbest <laughs> plot line for Archie thus far. And he's had stupid well, pop- let's get into it then. Let's get into the episode. I want to talk about that first. I want to talk about Archie's arc in this episode first and factors in. So this episode, The Wrestler, named after the Darren Aronofsky film of 2008. Oh. <laughs> that was another thing that went, oh, I rolled my eyes so hard. <laughs> Yeah, not really as um, interesting an episode title as has been in the past, but for the tween audience, 2008 is as much is as much ancient history as you know Blackboard Jungle from last uh, week, 1956. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's true. I don't want to talk about how this show <laughs> brings up a lot of issues that I have with my own aging, but that's <laughs> fine. I mean, one of the podcast is it's a you know, Riverdale fan podcast for grown-ass adults like ourselves. So, you know. So, Archie in this episode is basically still trying to entrap Hiram Lodge into becoming his best friend, right? Yep. Yeah, which is ridiculous in itself. Now, something that, a fan theory that I've been reading about this week, and I, I think that maybe it was brought up, you know, on our, we have a Facebook discussion group about Riverdale. Do you think that the... FBI agent is a real FBI agent, or do you think he's tricking Archie? 
I think he's a real FBI agent. I do think that he's tricking Archie as well because I don't think he should be including Archie. I think that's him fucking up. Like I don't the FBI agent fucking up. Yeah, he shouldn't be talking to Archie. Like all of it makes no sense because in the first episode he was in, they justified it so weirdly, and I was like, I don't, I don't like this. He's like, you're supposed to talk to my dad first. He's like, well, your dad can be implicit, and it's like, well, then you shouldn't be talking to me. You should talk to my mom. He also has a mother. You know, like. It makes no sense. It makes no sense that they're asking Archie to go undercover when he is not a fucking, you know, like, he's not a cop. He doesn't have that training at all. Like, how are you going to put a child who, like, also, it's crazy that it's only been, like, since Riverdale has started, there's only been a semester of school. If you, I don't know if you noticed <laughs> that. I've been, like, trying to figure out the timeline. And it, in a year and a half of Riverdale, only, like, three months have passed, which means three, four people have died in, in this of six months at Riverdale, which is, like, crazy to think that they're, like, so calm and collected and, like, nothing ever happens or whatever. Like, we forgot about the Black Hood. But whatever. That's that's not the point. Yeah, I think it's it's ridiculous and I think it's, there's something there that's not, a, that's not right. And also, I hate it. I hate this storyline so much. I... <laughs> as soon as it came up, I was like, this is gonna be so fucking stupid. And it's so fucking stupid and it's like Archie gets manipulated so easy by everyone and like why is there a cop and like you know he thinks he has leverage that's like the thing about these kids they're fucking children and they always are trying to get leverage on adults and like manipulating adults and like it makes no goddamn sense what I think honestly if you look at what they do with Archie be it Miss Grundy him being manipulated by Miss Grundy because you know the despite the fact that that was not, also not handled totally well, that was not even keel. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now, now he's in this entangled relationship with this FBI agent, which is also like a form of entrapment, you know, and, and he's a minor. And it doesn't, you're right, it doesn't, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And also this dude, they've gotten to play the, the FBI agent, like what the fuck is up with him? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh he went to Riverdale. That's why they assigned him to the case. He's also working on the case alone. Like, when has an FBI agent ever done anything alone? Yeah, it actually would have been kind of fun to have, like, a male-female dynamic FBI agent in the show, like, sort of like a Mulder Scully tribute. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. It, like, I don't know of any cops or detectives or... Or anything in any TV show where they're alone studying something. That doesn't make any sense to me. So there is something wrong. Maybe he is an FBI agent and he's not even supposed to be on this case. Maybe he got, you know, like, maybe he's not. I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense. Maybe he's just a pervy dude who's, like, taking photos of Archie. Could be. It's just a pervy dude. But I do think he, well, he has that badge. Like, where would he get the badge if he's not an FBI agent? I know. Although, also, I mean, I already talked about this last episode, but, like, the whole badge thing is so funny when he's, like, I'm an FBI agent. And, like, it literally feels like he's pulling out a piece of paper and, like, wagging it around. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, like, ridiculous. It's like, hey, this is my credentials. I scrawled it on a napkin. It pops. And now I'm over <laughs> I mean, you know, I like wouldn't chuck it up to Riverdale to have like a misdirect or like someone lying about who they are. Yeah, uh, I would actually love it if the FBI agent ended up being the Black Hood. I think that'd be really cool. 
I think so too. I like. I mean, that is a possibility, a hundred percent. Because I don't think it was Mr. Spencer. Because I put this on the, in the Facebook. Certainly groups. not. He didn't no, have a fucking finger to pull the trigger. He couldn't have killed them. It's definitely not Mr. Spencer. I mean, we'll get into that in future episodes as that gets delved into. But absolutely, there's no way because it was resolved way too pat. There's something's going to happen with the Black Hood. He's going to resurface for sure. So, mm-hmm. so plot line now i'm gonna become friends with with hiram here archie's like what does your dad hate me veronica and then oh. first thing she's like she's like well you're not a spanish speaker and he's like i could switch out if i just take spanish and it's like do you think that like archie being like hola senor hiram I- me amo archie would ever endear him i want nothing i don't want that to happen at all no, no, no. The Spanish, they don't speak Spanish. What do you mean you don't speak Spanish? Bitch, you don't speak Spanish. No one speaks Spanish. All they do is say fucking vocabulary words to each other. Exactly. <laughs> sentences. It's so bad. I hate the Spanish. By the way, I love the show. I just hate the show. You know what I'm saying? The Spanish is No, awesome. no, no. I, that's thing so interesting about the show in general is that I think Riverdale is very compelling. And I'm having so much fun with it, especially of, as a fan of the Archie comics. Um, acknowledge that it's a CW teen drama show and there's a lot of moving parts that need to make that work and enjoying deconstructing these parts is it's only out of love you know at least for me you know We're so out of love but I would I, let's hope Archie does not say anything in Spanish because I will freak out it's, it would be so funny it really like but you're I just want to backtrack I, I love what you said about the lodges just like spouting vocab words like they're literally like have fun at Loliotheca tonight, Veronica. Like for sure. I mean, the the I I said it last time I was on the podcast, but the most jarring one was, oh, is, are those my palomitas chirping? Oh, I see you made my café con leche. Thank you very much, corazón. Which I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that's not even Spanglish. It is a vocab words. <laughs> <It's-> yeah. <laughs> It's weird. It's weird. And it definitely, I, I've never looked into the makeup of the writer's room of the show, but it definitely feel like they should maybe have someone of Latina ancestry writing for the show, you know? Oh, absolutely. And they like, and, but uh, Roberta Aguirre Sacasa is, you know? Oh yeah. He's their showrunner. Yeah. I so. want to know. I, I, sh- I want to look him up. I want to know more about him because. Oh, he's wonderful. He is so interesting and his comics that he has written for them, which has led to this, all this stuff happening are really, really fun and good. One of them is the chilling adventures of Sabrina. That's currently being adapted for Netflix. And one of them is afterlife with Archie, which is the Archie comics zombie story, which is just, so he created those comics and and the creator of the show. Yeah. And they, they brought him in because they want to work with him because he created a show that, I think was called, I'm trying to remember, I think it was maybe called High School Love Story that mm. was in Atlanta and was supposed to be at Bad Dog Theater, you know, the improv theater in Atlanta. I don't know, sorry, um, Dad's Garage. Bad Dog is in Toronto. Dad's Garage in Atlanta. And it was this play called High School Love Story. I think that's what it was called. And it was a love story between Archie and Jughead. And Archie Comics took legal action against him. They sent him a cease and desist and he changed all the names. Oh, no. I want to see it. 
Well, it it went up and it did really, really well for him. And it led to a lot of other work. And he also wrote Easy A, which is the adaptation oh. of Scarlet Letter. Oh, his, I like his him. He is great. Okay. Now I like him. Anyway, back to this plot line here. We deconstructed this whole Spanish thing. So then she's like, you should wrestle, Archie, because that's what Hiram did. And then there's a shirtless photo of Hiram in the trophy case. Of course, because why wouldn't there be? Because it's Riverdale, the high school that worships the male and female forms. It's so crazy. Also, like, they find any excuse to get him shirtless. Because, like, in the beginning when they were playing basketball in the, in the, in the auditorium or whatever... He was shirtless. Like, it makes no sense. You're going to play shirts and skins at school? Is that a thing? Like, at school, (laughs) your coach is going to be like, everyone take off your shirt if you're on this team, shirts and skins. Like, that's not a thing that would happen at school. But in the first basketball scene, it's Archie without his shirt on. That's interesting because at my school there, we used to play some shirts and skins games. And I would always be sitting on the sidelines being like, ooh. (laughs) Well, then I guess I'm wrong. It just feels inappropriate. (laughs) For little boys. It it is inappropriate. You're 100% right it's inappropriate. I mean, that's a high school in the 90s thing versus a high school now where it it really has a – we have a different sensitivity when it comes to body issues and stuff like that. So, absolutely. Yeah, but I did love seeing Archie wrestler outfit, that tight, tight wrestler outfit without a shirt underneath. Well, you know, it makes me think about the general – you know, all of the wrestling tryout scenes – is in their outfits and also any excuses in the show to get the women to be wearing their cheerleader outfits. Think a lot about the fetishization of the young male or female form in this show. Mm -hmm. And I'm not an expert on that uh, at all. However, certainly the cheerleader stuff and the wrestling stuff now feels very queer and fetishy to me. I would love in a future episode, this is more of a note to myself, but I think that it's just an interesting thing to bring up. And I'd also like to start engaging our fans in a bit of a dialogue about this if they want to chime in. Uh, to have an expert on the show that's an expert sort of in fetishism and in like the cinematic gaze, because I feel like it's these, this show is so much about the body. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, for sh- yeah, I agree with you 100%. It is. So fed like they fetishize these kids so much, but I know they're adults, so I'm like kind of into it. Because even Kevin's body was ridiculous. It's like they, all the bodies are so crazy. Chuck's and Kevin's and Archie and like in those little tiny tight wrestling, which is like what they wear. So it's not like, but for some reason, it just felt like tighter and like sexier the way it was like sewed for some reason, and it covered his nipples just right. It just felt oh, like yeah. this has, like, it was for sure curated to fit his body in a way that made it, like, accentuated, like, his broad shoulders or whatever. Definitely. It wasn't just, like, a unicrew on. I'm sure that shit was tailored. Yeah, and yeah. Was- and, and I don't know um, how much you follow all these, these people on Instagram, um, which Kate and I do for the show, and also just for fun, because it's fun, obviously, that we're fans, but... You know, really, it seems like their time when they're shooting the show, shooting and working out. And that's it. That's what these guys do. And when you're getting paid to have a body like that, it makes it much easier to have a body like that, obviously. Yeah. Cole Sprouse is lucky that his body isn't, like, 
he's not forced to look good, you know? Like, he's just an average dude. Yes, but I do think that Cole Sprouse has uh, some gym time built in as well. Yeah. And I think if you look at his body makeup than the other gentlemen on the show, but, you know, he still has, like, really, really well-developed biceps mm-hmm. uh, when he's yeah. in undershirts and stuff uh, for his, and his, you know, sex scenes and all that. Like, he's certainly, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, he doesn't get off unscathed as well, you know? Yeah. I love Cole. But it's also like, okay, don't stand next to Archie. <laughs> totally. It's a whole different thing, you know? And, and like, yeah, and, and in terms of the, the youngness, you know, the, this show is designed for us to think the characters are sexy. And, you know, it is what it is. And it's easy, too, with the way they behave on the show to forget that these are young actors. Um, you know, and when I met KJ Appa this summer, you know, I, I when I met him, I was like, oh, God, this man is a really attractive man. Uh, but then I was also, like, just chatting with him for all of the five seconds I chatted with him. I was like, ah, he is a kid. This is a kid I'm talking to. Like, immediately the vibe. I was like, this is a kid. And also meeting um, Madeline Patch as well. You know, those are the two people I met at this Riverdale event. And I was like, yeah, these guys are young. It doesn't that I can't imagine having one lunch with them talking and us having something in common. Yeah, and the show sort of treats them in certain ways like adults. I think the the wrestling thing was such a a ham-fisted way of, like, we're going to get them in tight suits and they're going to be rolling around together. Like, a little homoerotic. Like, it was for sure, like, baiting. It was for sure, like, you want to watch this. Like, you do want to watch men wrestle. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm on board. But it was for sure, like, oh, should he just play basketball? Or should he, like, do something different that's going to make him sexier? And they were like, let's make him wrestle. <laughs> Which is, like, so ham-fisted that it was like, we're sexualizing him, so... Here we go. Look at him in this tiny suit. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And also on that topic, something I wanted to bring up, speaking of the sexualization of it, is that Kevin's uh, inclusion in all this is really fascinating to me because first they did a lot of work showcasing how Kevin was schooling Archie. And uh, definitely the subtext of that, Mm -hmm. one of the subtexts of that is, you know, gay men who can uh, embody more... um, male and feminine aspects to their personalities can still be good at this like more masculine sport. Mm -hmm. But then they had to do this weird plot thing that makes no sense at all for wrestling and for tryouts where they were like, you're not going to be wrestling in your weight class anymore. You're going to, you know, Archie, you're going to wrestle with Chuck, which makes zero sense. Right. Yeah. Well, they wanted to humiliate him to humiliate Archie. Mm -hmm. You think? Yeah. 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 The whole time Hiram was emasculating him in a way that made me uncomfortable, you know, like when he goes into the room and he's like, oh, you know, I used to be nervous about you being in my daughter's room. But now that I see you wrestle, I'm not scared, which is like, bitch, what the fuck? Like he kept like trying to emasculate him in a very toxic masculinity kind of way. So that's what it was. He wanted to emasculate him again by getting his ass whooped by a guy who's bigger than him. Definitely. Oh, for, for sure. But... Something that I think is interesting about that, instead of being like Archie has improved and now will beat Kevin, yeah, it's Archie has improved and now he will beat Chuck, and it's because they can't they can't have the climax of that plot point be Archie beats his gay friend, Archie like subdues his gay friend, who's good at uh, wrestling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. 
Well, no, it's interesting though, and and um, it's fine. Like um, the dynamics, the subtext of you know, uh, Kevin on the show is is a really great character to have, and like I think that sometimes he's portrayed somewhat stereotypically, and it bothers me. And sometimes there's depth to Kevin that I really love, and like really, I think that on the whole, I give them a pretty solid B plus for representation having him on the show. Mm-hmm. And, like, the way cruising is portrayed and the way his sort of his aspects of gay culture is portrayed and his relationship with his dad, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, and I, I kind of agree with that choice. The only issue then that it brings up is still, and this is, for me, a big, is the portrayal of Chuck Clayton in general. Why is this African-American character who in the comics is very likable, why did they make him into the heel on the show when there's not a lot of men of color on the show? Yeah, and the other bad guy is Reggie, who's another man of color. Absolutely. And KJ is also somewhat a uh, actor of color as well. I want to bring that up. However, it's just guy. I just He's playing a white kid. Hmm? He's not playing a He is. He's playing a he's not playing a, a character of color. Absolutely. So it's like yeah, yeah, you know, so this is somewhat an issue for me, and it's still something that I, I wish this show would get a little better at. Like, I guess basically what I'm saying, and maybe this is a bit of a jerky thing to say, is I would love a good Aryan villain for them to fight against. Yeah. I mean, hopefully Betty's brother turns out to be that. <laughs> oh, oh what about- yeah, but... I think he's already more complicated than that, you know, and I, I kind of feel bad for him. And also, too, something about that character as well is if the show goes down a road where they end up stigmatizing sex workers, I'm going to have a problem with that because I think that's super irresponsible and uncool. I mean, there's two sex workers right now on the show. And right now they're like Cheryl's mom who like loves, loves that she's a sex worker. She feels very good about herself. Um mm-hmm. And also now him and maybe Betty. <laughs> sure. Uh, so there's a lot of sex work happening right now. So let's we yeah let's hope they don't stigmatize it and they bring light to it or whatever. But yeah yeah so yeah and we'll talk we'll talk more about that during Betty's arc. Yeah. So Hiram mm-hmm. is fucking crazy in this episode. We've already got into this a little bit. I don't like Hiram's character. Like I really really hate that character. I, I watch Riverdale mostly for Cheryl. And like Kevin, <laughs> those are my favorites <laughs> right now. Uh, Hiram is annoying. He, his whole character, his whole thing is so fucking annoying. He, he was annoying this whole episode, like making like just like I always win. He's acting like a child, just like I want to win. I always win. But don't and, you think it's going to be really satisfying when he gets taken down? Because I definitely think. Oh yeah. Yeah. And. Even in this episode, you're like, you have no power. He has no power. And you can see, like, slowly, he's just, like, losing all his power. Well, the power in this episode, plus, so, uh, so Dale, uh, plot point notwithstanding, and we'll get into that uh, in a little bit, but this whole wrestling thing, to me, has the aura of, like, some dude who hasn't moved on from his past victories hitting something that he shouldn't hit. Yeah. For me, at least. Like, and that, that really bothers me and um, about it. You know, and it's, once again, on the show, it's like, why are they letting all the adults into the high school all the time? All the time. Because even, like, Kevin's dad was there for the audition. They're all just, like, watching kids wrestle. 
and audition. Yeah. And it, it, it like there. The parents- glow, glow. It's not auditions. It's tryouts. <laughs> they're, they're not theater kids like we are. <laughs> I straight up called it an audition. <laughs> I know, which is so, ugh. I mean, we are, we are in our intellectual New York bubble here talking about Riverdale. <laughs> All right, all right. Let's let's move on to Jughead here. Jughead. So we've already talked a little bit about this whole like Jughead. My story. So Jughead, you know, learns about this, the fact that there is basically an ethnic cleansing in Riverdale. This is not a surprise. It's an interesting topic for this show to deal with, in my opinion. Uh, as we said before, show doesn't deal with it as well as it should. Uh, but doesn't deal with it horribly, which is something I say about a lot of this social issue stuff that Riverdale deals with. He interviews Tony's grandpa. Tony's grandpa explains what happened. And unsurprisingly, the Blossoms were involved in hiring this general guy to go kill the uh, Uktana peoples, or fictional tribe. Well, I just looked it up, and I think it's it's a Uktina is an antlered serpent of the Cherokee. That's interesting. That's very cool. So it ties in with the fact that they're called the serpents, the, yeah. the gang, which is great. I think it's like based on something real. Like I don't think it's Riverdale or it's based on Cherokee folklore. Oh, cool. All right. I'll look into this over the over the next week because maybe there's some clues for plots within some of the uh, aspects to this mythology, you know? Yeah. That's so cool. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah, that is really cool. And I I do like this aspect being brought in. And I think this is a good time now, actually. We've already dealt with Jughead mainly in this episode, and he's just typical hissies here. And he throws this protest, and good for him, you know, and and this is great. I was kind of hoping that Veronica and the Pussycats were complicit in the protest, and that they were going to somehow weave themselves in and be involved with the protest, but that's not what ended up happening. No, it was Hiram kind of being like, oh, we celebrate them without listening to what they were actually saying, which I thought was really interesting and very astute of Riverdale to have a guy come up and be like, yes, we we love this, but not really listen to what this is or, or acknowledge what it means. Just more like, oh, cool, you guys have a voice and we hear it. Um, which is, I think, pretty good. And I hope they explore it more next episode of how they were silenced while supposedly being celebrated. Because that is a thing that is that happens often. I agree. Um, I, I, I thought that was very well handled. And I, I found it quite surprising and quite cool. Yeah. And even Jughead tried to fight. But, you know, Grandpa was like, no, no, calm yeah. down. I also think it's interesting when Tony showed up. And uh, Betty was like, oh, you're going to go hang out with Tony, which is like, bitch, what's this? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, very funny. Yeah, like, calm down. Betty. Calm down. But I, it was fun to see. And then, yeah, I wonder the Jughead and Tony thing is done, right? It's not going to happen again. Well, Tony's made it pretty clear she's not interested. So they're just pals. Yeah. But who knows if she was saying that because he was with Betty. Maybe, maybe, but I'm hoping to see Tony with a girlfriend by the end of the season. I'm hoping Tony and Cheryl get together. That's what I want. Me as well. That is also what I'm hoping. I think that would be cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of fans are 
want that as well. That's what it seems like the consensus on the internet is. IRL, they're best friends. Oh, really? Oh, that's so nice. Oh, I love it. I watched Madeline's, uh, her, her like YouTubes and they did an episode together and they met like audition for Riverdale like two years ago and they're still like super close. And now she's on the show and they're like super excited. God, that is, oh, that's the cutest. I love it. Yeah, Madeline seemed very cool and sweet and geeky when I met her at uh, that event. Just just yeah. FYI. Yeah, it just seemed I lovely. Love I love her so much. Oh, yeah. This is, her performance in this is the performance of a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> this is, she is that character. It's wonderful. It makes me feel like Cheryl is a perfect character for her. And I wonder if she can be other characters ever. Me like, as well. I'm scared. I'm scared that this is it for her. Like this is her like, and I'm hoping it's not. I hope she like can figure out ways to like diversify her acting. But this Cheryl is so ingrained in who she is. Like, I, I just feel like it's perfect. Yeah. Out of all of the characters or not characters, Characters, actors on the show. I, I'm really hoping for further work from uh, Madeline. And I would say from uh, Camilla Menendez, who I think is just really great on the show always and is so beautiful and very appealing. Honestly, Those are my two. All the women, because I love Lily too. Yeah, Lily's very good on the show. I Well, they're all good on the show. They're all actually really great on the show. So... That's Jughead. We strayed away a little bit. Also, but one thing I want to mention, because we were talking about Cheryl, Betty, but with Cheryl, I really like how, I don't know if you noticed this, but when the protest starts during the celebration, she le- she moves away from her mother. It's symbolic that she is breaking away from her family and really trying to find a more healthy path to live. She went and she stood with the tribe. Yes, she yes, she tribe. did. And... Yeah, and her mom still seems, like, proud of this fucking genocide that happened, which is disgusting. It's crazy. Her mom's insane. I don't know what what's happening with that character. It's just a crazy character. She's just, like, so happy that she's... I wrote down she's so happy she's a hoe because she just keeps talking about it. She keeps just being like, well, this is it. You know, we've ran brothels before. Like, she just keeps like, I'm a hoe now, guys. I love it, which I do like, which is super exciting, but it's still, like... There's, I want the justification. Like, I want to know why she's so happy about it. Like, what makes her feel like she's in charge? Like, it just feels <laughs> crazy. That I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And loves it. She's like, yeah, this is it. This is my thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the thing about this is like, this is why I want them to deal with the sex work properly. Yeah. Um, just in that, like, if uh, Penelope Blossom wants to do that sort of work and make money and it, she enjoys it and the men sleeping with her enjoying it, I think that's fine. I have no problems with sex work as long as it's being done in a healthy way. And I also can understand why uh, there's a stigma attached to it, obviously, and why Cheryl's, Cheryl would be adverse to her mother doing this and why it would upset her, which Mm -hmm. it clearly does. Um, But I want the show to devote time to this properly. And this is another sort of issue based thing that the show is not devoting time to Mm -hmm. quite yet because there's too many plot points going on, but I'd love to see like a full episode. That's like, what's really going on. I'd love to see like, honestly, like a parallel back and forth episode that explores the, the similarities between Penelope and Chick Cooper and the way they're making their money. 
Uh, I yeah. think that'd be very cool. Yeah, yeah. And this is good to, to move on to. Let's move on to Betty's whole plot point here. Betty with, with Chick. So, you know, Betty, last episode, it seems like she brought Chick into her home to help her mom, but really she did it to help herself. Not a, not a big surprise, right? A lot of, of Betty's plot was like a stretch. I'm like, okay, well, that's a stretch. Like when he's like, you know, I can show you my scars. And she's like, I have scars. And it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? And it's like the half moon scars. And he's like, oh, yeah, I used to do that. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Like, how do you jump from like scars that someone did to you? To like you harming yourself with your your fingernails. Yes. And then later, yes. She's like she like quote she said, and if you want to ever compare scars, I'm like, well, compare scars. What are you even talking about, girl? You fucking do it to yourself. <laughs> compare scars. Like, are you a fucking like like a, like a hiker or like a, a like like a a gang leader or something like what do you mean compare scars like what are you talking about it's don't so- you want to don't you want to see that scene where she's like <laughs> where she's like this is when my mom told me i was never allowed to hang out with my friends again so i dug <laughs> my fingernails into my palms and then he's like this is when the guy that ran that hotel slashed me across the face because i told him <laughs> the five clients in one day was too much for me Oh you know what I mean? God. Oh my god! This is from when I slipped when I was roller skating, and I and I got a little piece of my <laughs> like totally, like, totally off or whatever. It, it, <laughs> it makes no sense that she's like, I have scars. I got like, this when I when I when I bumped into a door when I was interning for Toni Morrison. Oh my god! I forgot that she. That's like the first thing she says that she interned for Toni Morrison. <laughs> idol also she doesn't talk about like writing well i guess she does but now it's all like she's an investigative reporter and she's not a novelist which is like your hero is tony morrison why are you so focused on journalism I but whatever will never let the people that make this show or the fans forget that somehow in a way that makes no sense betty interned for tony morrison <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense Hashtag never forget Toni Morrison. <laughs> never forget Toni Morrison. It's also clear that Hal is not Chick's father. But I was going like, to bring that up. Who do you think Chick's father is? I have a theory. Because it, it for a bit, seemed like it was going to be FP, right? But I think it is FP. But he's blonde-haired, blue eyes. He's not, doesn't look anything. He, he's blonde-haired, blue eyes. Yeah, look, there's, dominant, like there's dominant genes, you know, maybe, maybe she carries a dominant blonde hair, blue eye gene, you know? Yeah. I, I still don't think, I think that's a, what they're, they want you to believe because clearly there's like history between them, but I think it's actually um, like Sheriff Keller's kid or something. <laughs> like, I think it's going to be something <laughs> <laughs> it, like, yeah, it's going to be something that's going to come out of nowhere. Sheriff Keller's going to be the dad. Cause also Sheriff Keller's like apparently, you know, sleeping around and shit, you know? Sleeping with Mayor McCoy. Maybe we, maybe we should start and encourage the listeners to start. Maybe we should start pools as to who his father is, like like betting yeah. pools. That'd be really fun. It's for sure not Hal. Hal is so annoying. He's a fucking worst. <laughs> so annoying. Like you're rude. Like this is rude. <laughs> totally. Like get go to charm school, Hal. 
is it? And then why did it take her so long to be like, I already kicked you at once? Like, you really had to wait the whole episode to fucking put him in his place? From from moment one, I would have been like, bitch, shut the fuck up. Like, how dare yeah, you? Seriously. Just, like, just seriously. Rude. And nasty. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know what how whatever but i mean this is this is so much what the crux of the show is about is it's about adults dealing with the past and about their children having to deal with their sins and um clearly hal hasn't dealt with this and also in riverdale fashion He's not being written in a realistic way. So we're just like, that guy's rude. Instead of being like, whoa, that guy is going through something. You know yeah. what I mean? He's just written to be the villain of the episode. He's like a real D-bag. And, and then also regarding that, something I want to bring up is like fucking last episode. First thing is they're like, what do you do? And he's like, fantasy wish fulfillment is he says something to that effect, right? And then they're like, when he's like, I do webcam shows, the Coopers are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what did they think (laughs) he was doing? Like, did they think think he was like a birthday party Spider-Man? Like like a dungeon master? Like, what do you think was happening? You think he was like playing D&D with people? (laughs) Exactly. Like, like, if you say that, I do, like, fantasy wish fulfillment, it means that you're, like, some sort of, like, you know, sex worker. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're engaging in sexual acts with someone, but it means that you're doing some sort of domination stuff or, yeah. or you know, web, webcams, which is, which is, so that's, like, completely unsurprising. Also, um, so funny, uh, do you remember when Kevin was, like, Okay, Kevin gave three names to what he does. He he was like, he's a video juggalo, a webcam boy, yeah. a cyber trick. <laughs> like, why? Why three names? It was it just like, as soon as I heard it, I was like, what is this? Like, why does he? I wish it, he would have kept going. I wish he would have said, like, Ted, a cyber trick. Well, that's, that's uh, the sketch comedy version of that uh, scene, which now, like, you know you should write in my opinion, like, you know, but like that, that's something that the show does so well. And I thought, I love that scene too. And I thought that's one of the best things that's actually ever happened on the show is like that line. And yeah. I loved it because it's so pulpy, but it's so modern. And like, this show is really such a great modern, it's such good modern noir when it delves into stuff like that. Cause that feels like the way a guy from the forties would talk, but about yeah. a, a very modern concerns, you know? That is true. That is, it was, it, yeah, that line was for sure very noir and crazy. And I'm just like, who talks like this? A gigolo, a trick, a video trick. Oh, I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all fucking, I love it. I love it. I think it's, I think it's very cool. And it's like what the show does well with. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So let's move on to Veronica slash Josie. Main thing I want to say about this is I I do like the way the show is handling Veronica realizing that perhaps the way she is friends with people needs to change now that she's in business with her parents. Yeah, I do like that. And also, I I, it's it's funny because Veronica's reaction to everything is like, why are they upset that I'm manipulating them? 
yes, yes. But like a lot of teenagers, she doesn't realize that she's manipulating them, really. She's not astute when it comes to that. And, and she's, that's been something about her character in the past on the show that I think is very realistic to the age that she's being written as, you know? Yeah, I guess so. It, it's just, it's another like bizarro thing where I'm like, yeah, bitch, you're being fucked up. And you, like, how dare you think that people aren't going to be upset by it? And yes, totally. How involved she is. I did not think that she'd be this involved. I want the other yeah. show. Yes. Yes, I think last few episodes of this season, that that shoe will drop, and it's going to be really satisfying for us. And I'm excited. Yeah. I'm, I think, but I'm enjoying the wind up right now. I'm enjoying to see what happens with all that. Um, like, how she figures out how she's being manipulated by her parents. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, yeah. I uh, prediction is that she will team up with Archie to take down her father. You think that's her daddy, though? Yeah, well, I hope that it's written to be a complex issue, you know? Yeah, imagine. Oh, my God. I don't know. It, it's like uh, Veronica's whole thing this, this week. I, I can't wait to talk about power ranking because I feel like we'll talk about that later. But yes, her but, whole but, thing, she has no power. I feel like no one had any power in this episode. Only one person I felt like had any power. Interesting. Interesting. Well, you know what? Before we get into power ranking, because I, I, it is time. Any final thoughts on this episode before we talk about powers and crushes? Um, I my final thought is I want to know what the fuck is going on with Josie and Cheryl, and I want to know like real soon. I want to know why Josie isn't in the Pussycats anymore. Why she's out? Why her mom gives a fuck? Why why Cheryl gives a fuck? Like what's happening with that? Like, cause it wasn't explained at all. And I know that's probably the whole point of it, but like, I want it to come to an end or like to a crescendo or something because I hate not knowing what's happening. That's my, my final thought. That's and also really Mayor valid. McCoy, I, Mayor McCoy was right to be like, Josie, you're not doing that shit. And like, she was right. And I know they were trying to present her as a villain, but she was 110% correct having to, like you know in 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 being like no you're not involved in this they're manipulating their daughter you're not being manipulated you're gonna fucking sit at home and not be part of this which i was like yes yes uh i, I like all that a lot uh i agree i definitely want to see more from josie and cheryl in the next few episodes as well and uh as i said before sort of my hopes are that let's get into the sex work stuff a little more uh, in a way that is engaging and, and interesting for the show and also like somewhat responsible as well. Yeah. That's, that's my final thought. All right, power ranking. So you say that you don't think any characters have any power in this episode. I disagree a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, who's on your power ranking? Who's your list? The only person on my I'll power ranking list is Agent Adams. And I think he's the only person with power. And I think everyone else in this episode was trying to do power things, but it just wasn't landing for them. I think, like, Hiram was trying to manipulate Archie, but the truth is that Archie's manipulating him. But he's, Archie's being manipulated. Mm-hmm. It, so there's no power there. And like Archie and, and Veronica is being manipulated by her parents and her parents are like, it's, there's just like, because the agent is there with Archie, I don't see any of the, the lodges having any power. Um, like, I think everyone's just being manipulated by each other and they all feel like they're trapped and they can't do anything. Like Jughead feels trapped because he doesn't want to tell their story, but also 
because they don't want him and also they don't want him. like so i think everyone is coming right now it's like a very tense time for everyone on the show where no one has power and everyone's trying to fight for power mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i mean i thought a lot was allowed up in this episode and things are going to spring to life later on in the series and i think that for me i feel like certain characters gained and lost power in this episode in interesting ways. So for me, my power ranking was number one, Tony's grandfather Mm. drives a lot about what happens in the episode. Number two is Hiram because uh, he really does have the upper hand. And then number three is right behind is Archie because they're almost totally even keel. Interesting. And then Jughead. And then, last but not least, is Alice in this episode. I do think Alice has a lot of power. Because, I can agree with you with Alice. I do think she does have a lot of power. Mm-hmm. In this episode, like, she's the one really driving what's going on in the Cooper family right now. So I feel like it's worth noting. Now, more fun, who's on your crush list? <laughs> but her and Hal are about to fuck, and that's going to be crazy. My crush list. Ooh, I'm so excited. Number one is Kevin. 100%. Kevin's so hot. And, you know, he's been creeping on my crush list for a bit. And then this episode, I was like, yes, it's us. Ready, ready to go. Kevin, so hot, so gorgeous. Number two, Tony looked great in this episode. She's so cute. Love her pink hair. Love her, like, her flat ironed curls or whatever. And number three, this is going to be real bad, is Chuck. Chuck looks real cute in that thing. And, like, I want he's him cute to be actor. redeemed. He's so hot. I want him to be redeemed, but also, like, I like that he's a bad boy, and I'm into this. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm ready. Hey, I'm, I'm into it. Hey, he's a fictional character. You can love who you want to love fictionally, you know? That's that's part of being a fan, you know? I mean, he's a villain, but I feel like it's coming. He's going to get redeemed. And he was kind of being redeemed a little bit with Josie, and then I don't know what happened with that either. But mm-hmm. I hope that that comes up again as well in later episodes. All right. Just, All right. Two black people to have to date each other, you know? Like, that would be. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, black people are allowed to date white people in yeah. Riverdale. Thank you. Yeah. Let's hope that um, that happens. But yeah, for sure. Agreed. Agreed. All right. All right. My crush list. I was being a little silly with this crush list this episode. Number one crush, same as you, Glow, Kevin. So hot. He's a hot. He's and- a hot right now. I know he's just he's just steaming in this episode, and I love him in his little singlet and his little short sleeve shirt. I love it. You know he's a straight actor. I was going to say that earlier. He's a straight actor. Uh, I am aware of this. It's not my favorite thing about the show, but I don't. It it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but whatever. I'm aware that he's he's a straight actor. Number two, singlet boy number one. (laughs) Who? Just one of the beautiful boys arranged. For our viewing pleasure in the wrestling circle, standing, <laughs> gazing at their classmates, writhing oh. around on the ground. <laughs> That's crush number two for me. And crush number three, singlet boy number two. A boy <laughs> with a beautiful body, but slightly different body type and different ethnicity, watching <laughs> his classmates writhe around on the ground in a way that celebrates and embraces 
the homoeroticism of the male form. <laughs> That's so funny. Thank you. For a second, <laughs> I thought Chick was going to be on, on your list. I don't know why, just because he's new. But he's a Chick, Chick uh, attractiveness-wise, isn't totally doing it for me. He's not totally my type, although I do think that actor is perfectly attractive. Yeah, we'll see what happens in episodes future. Maybe I'll get into him the more we get to see him in his cyber trick outfits. <laughs> also hate that he's like such a fucking child. Like also he's so unrealistic. His interactions with Hal make no sense. Like he's being a fucking dick to you <laughs> sit there like and take it. Whatever. It's I can talk about chicken. Oh, glow. Glow, we'll have to have you on again to rant more about Chick, because this has been amazing. This has been really, really, really fun. Thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Woo. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, also special thanks to our editor, Alicia Camden, who's amazing. The gentleman who wrote our wonderful bubblegummy theme song. I can't love it enough, Louis Aronowitz. And special thanks to all the people who have been writing to us on Twitter, we always seem to get some really fun interactions from people. A special thanks to uh, our listener, Rogier, at R-O-C-A-P-R-I uh, on Twitter. We had a really fun chat this week about the new Sabrina series. That was awesome. And please reach out to us on Twitter at XOXORiverPod. And we're on Tumblr as well, which is our main site. And we're on Facebook at Podcast. Uh, I'm at louieperlman.com. I have some uh, comedy shows coming up in the city. Uh, It's rare for me to be performing out right now, so please come check me out. I'd love to meet you in person. And uh, where can we find you online on social media, Glow? At YoGlow underscore. The underscore is after, not before. Oh, beautiful. Excellent. At YoGlow underscore. uh, Check out uh, Glow there. And, of course, at her really wonderful shows she's doing at at Upright Citizens Brigade Theater here in fabulous New York City. Uh, Next week, please join us. We will be discussing the next episode, The Wicked and the Divine, which just as a a little preview, it's named after a comic book series, actually. It's a very cool cult comic book series as opposed to a movie. So that's awesome. That's, a, that's an interesting little uh, cultural thing that they're doing there. And I haven't uh, Harley Quinn right in the season. There was supposed to be Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. So hopefully. In the season maybe. of Riverdale? That's what they said. And then all that information no, disappeared from the internet. No, 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 no. Check it out on the Archie comic side. There is a current Betty Veronica, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy crossover that's happening right now uh, in the comic form and once it's all out i will read it and review it for the for the podcast but it's it's getting good reviews people are really enjoying it which is great it's the four-part series yeah cool more thing to say you know my catchphrase for this podcast what's going on pals and gals you know uh that's based on an old archie comic series archie's pals and gals and agent adam's in this episode, said to Archie, after this is all done, you can go back to hanging out with your pals and gals. <laughs> so I loved that they used that reference in the writing of this episode. It really made my heart sing. No so reference. that being said, you know, stay off jingle jangle, stay in school. We'll talk to you soon, pals and gals, here on XOXO Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs>